Welcome to Outside the Walls. I'm one of your hosts, Mark. For those who are new to our podcast, Outside the Walls dives deeper into the previous week's sermon from Westside Church of Christ in Searcy, Arkansas, and enhancing our understanding beyond our regular Sunday gatherings. With my co-host Casey, who's usually behind the scenes with me, we're dissecting the intricate layers of the Bible's teaching, merging them with the daily life and practical insights. Our goal? To bring or to bridge the gap between the ancient biblical scripture and the challenges of the modern world. This week, we're unwrapping this past Sunday sermon entitled, Our God Who Sees in Secret, which is based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. It was a little unusual this past Sunday because we had two gentlemen in front and were joined by two of the men who gave the sermon, Dr. Nathan Guy. <laughs> He's Cersei Arkansas's Westside Church's preacher, known for his passionate mm. and... He collaborated with the expert on this topic and doctoral candidate. Can I say that? Yes, you okay. can. Doctoral candidate and my usual co-host. Casey McDonald. All right. <laughs> Thanks for being here. These guys brought a remarkable message this past Sunday, and together they're shedding light on the beautiful teaching of our God. Today, we'll dive even deeper, exploring the richness and depth of their combined insights whether you were in the pews last Sunday or you're hearing about it now, thanks for joining us in the enlightening deep dive. So I want to get started with the objective of this past week's sermon, which you can find in the show notes. There's a link to Nathan's website, and he has a book there that you can look into. The objective is to find the value of discipleship in secret practices. All right. So I'll go back to the, some of the resources we have. We have Westside Church Searcy's Facebook page. You can go back and watch the sermon on there. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Westside Church of Christ Searcy, and we have the sermon on there as well. And again, the sermon notes uh, will be on a landing page at nathanguy.com slash sermon notes. And I guess, oh, you also have a podcast where you share the sermons online. I do. So you can listen to that there. Let's start. I'll read Matthew chapter 6, 1 through 18. Does that sound good, guys? Sounds great. All right. So I'm reading from the NIV on this. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they, sit, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, <clears throat> for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, 
but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Mm-hmm. Very excellent job reading. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys have any comments off the top before we really get into this? Oh, man, this has turned into one of my favorite parts of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you called me an expert. I don't know that. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to say that. but Only an expert would say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it, it seems like there's something new that pops out at me every time. But this is a very challenging portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe one of the, one of the most practical mm. portions of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Nathan, you got anything? Well, I really enjoyed doing this sermon with Casey. Uh, mm. That was uh, a delight. Mm. And uh, I'd like to try to do that again sometime. Yeah. 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 It was a nice change from the usual. Oh, we like you up there, Nathan. But <laughs> but I, I feel like when people come in and see two sh- chairs sitting up in front, they kind of wonder what's going on. Yeah. And, like keep people on their toes. And it makes people pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote down a bunch of key takeaways that I heard from the sermon that you guys gave. And the first one is the internal versus external motivation. I think I'm definitely an external motivation kind of guy because internal motivation, well, does not motivate me. (laughs) (laughs) You have to be externally motivated. I tend to have to be externally motivated. So I have to work on the internal motivation. A couple of the things you guys mentioned with that there's nothing wrong with external motivation, but it depends on how you use it. Would that mm-hmm. be a good way to say it? Yeah. 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 One of the things that, yeah, I, I think whenever it comes to whatever, I guess, goal you're trying to set for yourself, you know, whether that's a you know, family goal or spiritual goal, I think maybe having some sort of reward, some sort of incentive is, is not necessarily a bad thing you know if you're if you're wanting to yeah i've heard of i don't know how long this has been popular but like the thousand hours outdoor challenge or something like that that i don't know if it's that many hours but you know it's it's something that i've seen go around on different blogs and social media but trying to have your family outside for a certain amount of time you know each year and you know having that goal and maybe having some sort of reward set up i don't know maybe that's maybe that's instilling something into my sons that (laughs) you want a good reward then get all A's you know we do it in in a lot of aspects of life this external uh, validation what do you think Nathan I was just trying to count up a thousand hours every year that's three hours a day is that right Uh, yeah so that's (laughs) quite a bit yeah (laughs) especially during the super cold Arkansas I was just thinking yeah (laughs) Yeah, I know that my boys, they see the snow falling down and they're like, yes. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And if you guys aren't listening live right now, we're recording in October and the autumn air has just come in this past Mm -hmm. week. So it was cool this morning. I saw on uh, my weather app because I didn't go outside. Uh, It was 41 degrees this morning (laughs) and it got cold quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that need for, you know, that external versus internal validation, you know, there's, there's certainly nothing sinful about the external validation. I mean, we see different kinds of external validation, but I think one of the, one of the points that we tried to drive home in this was that if that is your motive, when it comes to giving, praying, fasting, then you've received your reward. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the most challenging things for me is, yeah, I'm, I might, you know, receive some sort of external validation with something but if if that's if that's what I received then I received my reward and it might not necessarily be the reward that I ultimately want Mm. so I have this hard time if we're being honest right now hopefully (laughs) if I do something say nice for somebody else I tell myself not to tell anybody but then I'm like, well, I could tell my wife. <laughs> I have this urge to just tell somebody, and I have a hard time keeping it to myself. But that's kind of what Jesus was saying here was keep it to yourself. Just do it and don't say anything about it. Be humble. That's well, you, hard. Have you ever, you know, the, the phrase when you say something nice to someone or you say, I saw you did something great, and they say, well, 
I'm glad somebody noticed, right, mm-hmm. that phrase. And I think what the text is saying is not shame on you, slap your hand. It's your father does. Mm-hmm. Your father does. Mm-hmm. Find joy in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably one of the most challenging things for me. And so Nathan, I definitely uh, respect you on a weekly basis for getting up and preaching. But people come up and especially this past Sunday because of the topic, you know, they would say something like, good job. There's your external validation. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, anytime that I have the opportunity to, to preach, I, I not that I don't appreciate it, but I really try to take compliments with a grain of salt. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I don't want it to go to my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I would like to redirect praise to God and gratitude to God as much as, as possible. And I'm mm-hmm. not great at that as, as good a, as, as I should be, I suppose. I think you and I texted each other because after I spoke a couple weeks ago, I had a, a lot of people come up to me and say, great job. And I have this problem with not believing them. <laughs> It was an excellent job. I don't believe you. (laughs) But uh, if somebody tells me I did a good job but then follows that with, here's something you could do better, Mm -hmm. I think I believe their comments more than somebody that just says, hey, great job. Uh I I don't know why. Well, I kind of do. I think it was something I got when I was younger. Our Western society – has a problem with this but in eastern cultures they take criticism very well i think a lot better than they do in western cultures Hmm. and so i learned that young and i kind of started applying it and now it's kind of become i guess a part of me it's weird Hmm. interesting yeah so eastern cultures which i guess jesus lived in more eastern style culture than us so i wonder how differently people would look at that when he was talking about this. Hmm. Mark, now that I know that, I'll do my best to criticize you more often. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I believe you now. (laughs) All right. So another key takeaway was Christ was not here to please people. He was here to seek and save the lost. Mm -hmm. He had a job to do. Mm -hmm. And I think he did it very well. We're still doing, or well, he's still doing it to us today. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, whenever we see the different things that Jesus did, a lot of times people were wanting some sort of external validation that he was who he was saying he was. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the very beginning, even before he started his public ministry, the devil was like asking for that. You know, if you are really the son of God, you know, do these things. And people were constantly asking for proof. And, and, you know, he was, he was, you know, healing people and some people were wanting to be healed maybe for the wrong reasons. And uh, some people were very excited that he was, that he was healing them. Uh, But yeah, his, his ultimate reason was, was not to please people, but to seek and to save them, which would, I would think ultimately bring a a measure of pleasing, but, but yeah, it, it definitely offended people, the things that he was doing, but he did not seem to care. Well, it's also interesting because he did those things, yet they still didn't believe. And mm-hmm. I think that was a big point that he was making, too, is that no matter what I do, you're going to still choose not to believe who right. I am. Yeah. Well, a point we didn't make in the sermon but could have is in Jesus' baptism, and you know, the line from the Father is not just you're my son, but you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. And so – all that he's doing is pleasing the Father. Mm-hmm. And those who love the Father will find that it pleases them too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Where we should ultimately seek for, you know, where where we're seeking praise and to please is from the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm going to skip a couple of these because we already mentioned them. Um, here we go. One of the challenges that Jesus presents in the Sermon on the Mount is for any Christians, in quotes, who are doing Christianity, in quotes, to impress others. And Nathan, you said a couple times in the sermon, showiness. Is that a real word? Showiness? It is now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) It's now. (laughs) I think a lot of us, we can look at our lives and realize there's a lot of things we have done for the showiness aspect of it. 
And so if you feel like you've done that, just remember that there's nothing wrong for have done it, doing it. How do you say it? For have done it. For have doing it. For have done it. For have done it. For have done it in the past. But as long as we're always seeking and trying to do it for the correct reasons and not impressing other people, but doing it for God and to give him the glory, Mm -hmm. that's what we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Comments, questions, concerns? Yeah, I mean, I think that showiness is a great word. I just want to say that. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> I too was accused of making up a word, and I can't, I, I can't think of of what it, what word it was. But I was told that I guess as a doctor you can make up words. Yeah, and so we'll give that one to you, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're almost there. <laughs> Someday soon. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, doing Christianity to impress others. Yeah, somebody somebody came up to me Sunday and and pose the question if there was no guarantee or there was no promise of heaven would you continue to live the life that you're living and obviously that's a hypothetical question there is there is a heaven there is an ultimate reward but it does you know it it was a good reflective question you know if 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 there was no reward for after this life would you continue mm-hmm. living a righteous life so that was a question that one of you also mentioned during the sermon on my key takeaways. It's number 13. Oh. The question to ask ourselves is, would I follow God if there was nothing in it for me? Mm-hmm. And well, I guess this was you, Nathan, I think that brought it up. And you said, this is the wrong question. Now, I'll be honest, for me, the answer is no, I probably wouldn't. And then I wrote in my comments here, like the song, because he first loved me Mm. is the reason. It's Mm. I I couldn't have loved him first. He loved me first. Mm. And I think Mm. that's the reason I do it. That's a great point. And, you know, Paul admits if Christ isn't raised from the dead, then we're the most pitiful people on the planet. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't. I certainly didn't want to imply that in and of itself, without a resurrected Lord, without, you know, that this is the, this is what everybody should just intuitively know they ought to do. I don't, I don't mean that. What I am trying to say is if we're constantly, if we're constantly saying what's in it for me, then we miss the point. Mm-hmm. And I do think that by the power of the Spirit, we can reach the point where our usual question is what's in it for God. Mm-hmm. And that's the maturity change point. And I think you see that, that that's what Christ wants from his disciples. And we, you, see it in, you see it in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the right question is what's in it for God? Mm-hmm. And because he did what he did for us, that needs to be our question. Yeah, that's great. Is that yeah, good that's a good point? Okay. Let's see. Our motive should be give glory to God. We just talked about that. You know, I've heard people say, well, kind of like what I was saying earlier, that I don't believe people's compliments. (laughs) They have to criticize me for me to believe them. And I've talked to other people, and they say, when receiving compliments, the best thing to do is just point to God and say, Mm -hmm. God is the one that did this for me or whatever the situation is. So I think that's a good point. And hopefully people similar to me that have a hard time taking compliments, that gives them the option to do that and remind them to do that. Yeah. Vain glory could be considered the most wicked. Mm. That was a pretty good section that, Nathan, you talked about again. Is there anything you'd like to add to that? Well, you know, that's, that's John Cassian, the early church father, and that's um, C.S. Lewis, who say, you know, long Christian tradition, they talked about the seven deadly sins, but, you know, vainglory is the thing that hides behind everything else. You say, okay, I've, by the power of the Spirit, I've conquered lust, I've conquered anger, I've conquered, you know, gluttony, I've conquered sloth. And then you say, boy, look at me, look how I've conquered all those things. <laughs> well, now you've fallen into the trap of yeah. vainglory. And mm-hmm. so it, it's the kind of thing where, or, again, don't think of it as, oh, great, yet another check on my checklist I can't hit. But rather, it's the, it's when your desire is for God to get all the glory, that you're so excited, not that I've conquered this, look at me, but it's been conquered, look at what God is able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So can I make a confession? Yes. <clears throat> so it was a few years ago whenever I didn't think that I'd ever want to pursue any more education. And I've been told by my significant other that this is it. But one of one of the motives for getting into just thinking about spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines, and specifically fasting was personally fasting. And there was vainglory involved in that because I had a very, very much of a sense of, man, yeah, I did that. And it's not necessarily that I was bragging to anybody, but kind of the the original, I guess, quest into into fasting was not necessarily spiritually motivated, and and yet that's what drove me into okay, I need to reform my mind and think of this as a spiritual discipline that that Jesus suggested, and so there was there was somewhat of a some might say come to Jesus moment in that which is which was part of my motivation but whenever it comes to spiritual disciplines uh, particularly something that i guess you could say is measurable like giving or fasting praying i guess you could measure it in time but when it comes to those that are i guess tangibly measurable like i gave this amount mm-hmm. look even if you don't brag about it to others that sense of vainglory is very tempting to come in. Like I've given this amount, you know. Whenever you get to the end of the year and 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 the government is asking, well, how much did you give mm-hmm. to nonprofits? And it's like, this is how much I can write off my taxes. Mm-hmm. Look at how mm-hmm. much I gave to the church. Yeah. Look at how many hours I went without food. Look at how many days I went without any nutrients. And so it's very tempting, and you got to keep your guard up when it comes to. Sp- you know, spiritual disciplines that it doesn't turn into to something, even if it's to yourself, bragging to yourself about it. Mm-hmm. It it goes back to that checklist mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you get past that? Oh man, yeah, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I would say with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's really it. I guess it would be it'd be hard to come up with a practical way to this is step by step how you overcome that. But I, I would say a lot of humbling yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. I mean, James tells us it 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 requires just going to God, and I think confession, just mm-hmm. saying I'm struggling with this, God. You know, I want to be more like You. I want to discipline myself, and I don't want to do it for me or anybody else. I want to do it for You. So I think it. I think it just. I think it takes a lot of a lot of just heart to heart with God and and asking Him to change change your heart. Goes back to our coffee time yesterday, Psalm fifty one, the mm-hmm. broken and contrite heart. Yeah. 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 Nathan, you have any comments? Uh, that that said it all. Okay. That's right. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I'm going through my list and seeing what else we can cover. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you talked about the checklist thing. The list of giving, praying, then fasting gets more difficult as you go down the list. So in the scripture, Matthew chapter six, verses one through eighteen. Jesus mentions three spiritual disciplines, Mm -hmm. giving and then praying and then fasting. Casey, I think it was you that said in the sermon that each one of those gets more and more difficult for us. Do you think it's always been that way? Do you think for the people back then, 2,000 years ago, it was the same thing that Mm. this was the – order or this order got more and more difficult yeah now that you ask it that way it may not have been because i think fasting was a lot more part of their culture than Mm -hmm. it is our culture i mean you know you think back uh, you know something that i think is interesting when it comes to these three disciplines and each one which something that we didn't really hit on if at all in the sermon that i was looking forward to the podcast to getting to was this language of when you know, Jesus says before each of the disciplines, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. And so there's this expectation that his disciples are going to be doing this. And so it may not have necessarily, that may not have been Jesus' intention that this is a progressively more difficult 
discipline as he goes through, but rather he's he's expecting that his disciples are doing all of these. And and at least in in their culture, in their context, I mean, there was already Jews that had regular fasting days as part of their regular schedule. And so that's something that is extremely foreign, at least in our tradition of the churches of Christ. And and so maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's just something that I've kind of in, read into our culture and into our context that it's a progressively more difficult list. Oh, it definitely is, I think. <laughs> well, it's easy to give on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's easy to put your credit card on the online application and send in your money and click a box that says do this every week or every month or whatever. (laughs) Praying. I mean, I'd say at the least Christians are coming in on Sunday and hearing a prayer. Mm -hmm. So that's at least a once a week thing. If they're actually praying while it's happening, I don't know. And now we even have like prayer podcasts that you can subscribe to and like yeah. get your notification on the way to work. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, let's pray and, uh, you know, have somebody lead you in prayer through the podcast. And so, yeah, yeah we've even tried to make that easy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've seen YouTube videos of somebody popping up and saying a prayer and yeah. they'll say, hey, pray with me. And yeah. then they'll say a prayer. So <laughs> I guess it's convenient. Right. But then the fasting thing, that is not convenient. It's not convenient at all. Yeah, no. you're right. You're right. That's true. Even in even in our culture, that's not something that you can you can be spoon fed. <laughs> so we'll we'll get more into fasting here in a minute. As Christians, our motivation plummets when we're not rewarded for our works. Our motivation should be giving God the glory. We kind of talked about that already. So we'll skip past that. And that is an unfortunate thing that, you know, our motivation plummets. But, you know, I think that also goes along just with our secular culture. You know, Mm -hmm. whenever there's whenever there's lack of reward, which, I mean, goes back to our childhood. You know, a lot of times we try and motivate our kids with positive reinforcement. And as adults, we're not much different. Mm -hmm. Okay, going back to the showiness that we were talking about earlier. Nathan, you had mentioned something that. It looks like Jesus was referring to when he said that they have received their reward in full. Yeah, so I think it was maybe Diceman's book just a long time ago that Craig Keener was referring to in Keener's commentary, which is that at the bottom of receipts, it would say something very similar to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've received your reward in full. There's nothing else that needs to be done for this transaction. And, you know, most people who are doing it think, oh, I'm so glad that you all saw me do it, and it's... It's part of my, my stairway to heaven. <laughs> and what he's saying is, well, if it was done to get applause and praise and it came from people, okay, the transaction's done. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the transaction, if it's transactional about receiving praise, it's, it's for God. And so it's his, it's his uh, tongue-in-cheek way, I think, of saying you were wanting a transaction. It's probably not the one you ultimately wanted. <laughs> yeah, that was a really interesting uh, illustration, kind of giving us some context of, of what that where that phrase originally came from. It made me think of uh, whenever my boys will go to the store and they are buying a toy or whatever it might be, or, and and they have you know a $5 bill, and, and they pay for it, and, and then they always love getting the change back. <laughs> and it's like, even though they had, you know, say a, a $5 bill and they're giving, you know, two or three ones back, they think, oh, man, I look at my change. And it's like you realize that's less money than what you just gave, you know, but, but they often act like it's it's more money. But, yeah, that, that imagery of, you know, they've, I guess, seamed up all the, or rather, I guess, brought everything together. You know, everything is, everything is square, I guess you could say. Mm. And, and that idea of, you know, everything that is owed has been paid. Everything that is needed to be returned has been returned. I'm going to ask you guys a difficult question. I hope you have a good answer for me. (laughs) Because this is a question I've had for a long time. When Jesus is talking about praying, you know, he says, close your door and pray. Mm. But then we look at Daniel. Mm. And we know that Daniel was opening his window and praying and people would see him praying. There seems to be a difference between those two. Mm. Do you have Mm. any comments on that? Nathan? A <laughs> <laughs> couple of thoughts, although this gets into a whole nother discussion. Okay. okay. I'd start by saying a good rule of thumb when you're reading, for example, some of those hero stories of the Old Testament, David and Goliath, 
Daniel, David's stories of conquering. It's Im- I think it's important to not first see it as a story about what you should do. Sometimes there's stuff in there for that. Mm-hmm. It's primarily a story about what was done. And I think you make the one-to-one connection. You find yourself in trouble with a lot of things people did that you should not do. And mm-hmm. the text doesn't actually say that. Mm-hmm. So I, like th- I think of like Gideon and the fleece. Right. You're right. And you say, well, there's a sense in which doing that might be testing the Lord. So yeah. don't read it as here's what you should do. On the other hand, you can still get some some truths out of it. So I wouldn't read the Daniel story as, okay, here's what you should go out and do. At the same time, I'm not suggesting they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. I just, I would want to start there. I think Jesus, again, in the Sermon on the Mount, is describing the kind of lifestyle a wise person who's seeking the will of God does and is like. I think there are wise people who, on occasion, will do something different, literally, than what's literally described here. Mm -hmm. But this is the norm, which is they don't do things for show. Right. They do things for God. And there may be the offhand occasion where the best way to do this for God is to let others in. Mm -hmm. But the problem is if you start there, you know, it feeds our our ego. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the way I read it. Yeah, and I think I can't remember if it was in Ed Gallagher's book or Randy Harris's book that I I read this example that he was giving that you know sometimes we do things not necessarily to be seen by others or to receive some sort of reward, but we do it as a good example. And the the illustration that was used was giving on Sundays whenever the collection plate is passed. And, you know, if if somebody's, you know, writing a check, you know, you're you're putting the check in there and, and hopefully, you know, it's not to be seen by others. Uh, but, you know, you you put the check in and and nobody you're you're not getting any praise from anybody because nobody knows what the amount is on that check. You know, you fold it in half or laid it upside down and so you're not receiving praise, but it's a good example for others to to see that happen, and I thought that was a I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. So whenever I think about Daniel in the in the captivity situation that he was in, and he was opening his windows towards Jerusalem, mm-hmm. I don't think that he was doing it to receive any kind of praise from his captors, but rather he was looking forward to the day when they would be taken out of captivity. And so his motive was that of God's fulfilling promises. His his motive was, you know, giving praise to God. And, he, and also in Daniel's situation, he knew that this could lead not to good things. Yes. Which I think is also, you know, interesting to point out in the story of Daniel. You know, whenever we're doing spiritual disciplines, you know, to look how good I am, Daniel knew that this could do very much the opposite. I mean, you know, the threat was that he would be persecuted, that he would be killed, that he would be thrown into the lion's den. And so obviously his motive was not that, hey, these people are going to see me doing this and they're going to think highly of me. Rather, if they see me doing this, they'll throw me into the lion's den. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important to point out when it comes to what Daniel's motive was and what, what Jesus is talking about. That's a good point, Casey. Yeah, because yeah. that gets you into a whole different conversation about what are we doing to show God's love even when we could be getting mm-hmm. in trouble or looked down upon for right. it. And I think that's something we should be doing is be willing to do that even maybe go the extra step and know that it's probably going to happen and do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because Daniel could have been a whole lot safer if he just closed his window. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> One of the quotes that you mentioned, Casey, was from John Wooden, mm-hmm. a basketball coach. What school? Okay. Mm-hmm. He said, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. Yeah. I've heard this quote before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was the first one to mention it, but it's a good quote and it's something for us to think about when we're at home by ourselves or, you know, you're in that situation where you're debating, should I do this or not? Nobody else is seeing me. It really doesn't matter. 
Right. It does. Right. It does matter. Right. Yeah, and what we do when nobody's watching, I think, uh, you know, I, and I've I've heard this quote a lot too, and, you know, somebody may be able to correct and say it. No, it's actually an, an old proverb. But I can't, I think it was in, in Living Jesus. I think he mentions this quote, and he said, you know, he didn't attribute it to John Wood. He just said somebody said at one point. And mm-hmm. so it may have predated John Wood, and there's there's no real knowledge on who said it. But, man, it is a, it's a, it's a meaningful, meaningful quote. And so how are you acting? What are the things that you're saying under your breath when, when nobody's watching? Mm. So Nathan, you also mentioned that different translations of the Bible say a few different things. And I guess the specific thing you brought up is when it says God will reward you and the King James version and the new King James version either say openly or publicly, God will reward you openly or God will reward you publicly. And I think you said this wasn't in the original text. Well, and that's up for debate, I guess. I, I, I take the eclectic view of how to put together a translation. Eclectic view says, you, well, let me start with the other one. The King James and the New King James is based upon what's called the majority text view. And majority text view says, take a look at all the different manuscripts that we have. What do most of them say? Because you know, there may be some that didn't write it down correctly. So you take what most of them say. And at the time when this was put together, the majority of the manuscripts said openly there. Well, the eclectic view says, let's use a, a better process than the majority. For example, older is better than newer. In other words, the further back you can get, if you ever played the game phone, mm-hmm. I believe whatever it's Telephone, called, yeah. you whisper uh-huh. in somebody's ear. Uh-huh. The closer you can get back to the original time period, the closer you may get back to what was actually said. So older is better than newer. Second, they say simpler is better than complex mm-hmm. because we're more likely to explain a hard passage than we are to make it more cryptic. Mm-hmm. And so this is shorter and older. And so that's why most of the more modern translations will just say, God will reward you. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to all you King James fans, I don't believe that it's wrong. I don't believe that God doesn't reward you openly. There's many times when he has. Mm-hmm. Question is, was that the promise Jesus was trying to deliver on that occasion? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that his point is secret, secret, secret. And yeah. the focus is for God, not on what you're going to get mm-hmm. from it in this life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think people may have taken that passage in those versions and ran with them a little too far here and there. Mm-hmm. So that being said, the power of following Jesus is behind the scenes or in secret. Mm -hmm. So I like how it's the power of following Jesus. That's where the Mm -hmm. real power is, is the secretive nature or behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. You don't want to be the publicly acclaimed person. (laughs) All right. So let's get into the several times that Jesus has said after performing a miracle where he would say, go and tell no one. Mm -hmm. I've had this conversation with I actually my mom most memorably and she would ask me why is he saying this because he probably knows that they're going to tell people mm-hmm. so why was he saying this what was the point of him saying that yeah a couple of a couple of things that I brought up that Nathan can expound upon but two reasons that I mentioned in the sermon one being just the idea that you know to to stay under the radar of the adversaries for the time because his time had not yet come mm-hmm. and so that was one of the reasons another another broad reason would be just to allow the message of what the messiah is to kind of permeate to kind of simmer you know put it on the crock pot so to speak to allow that that message that idea to develop in proper time and so i think those would be two broad reasons that jesus would tell an individual go and tell no one nathan that sounds right (laughs) i'm with you (laughs) and it makes you wonder if that's the only reason that they're recorded is because they ended up telling people about it. And we don't know all the ones that people actually listened and right. didn't tell anyone afterwards. Sometimes it's not very long. It's like, go and tell no one, and then the next sentence, and they went and told everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, to wrap this up, kind of, well, I don't, 
I won't say wrap it up because this is a really good conversation. One of the main reasons that we're going over this text are because of the three spiritual disciplines that Jesus mentioned, giving, praying, and fasting. Let's get more into the spiritual disciplines in general and maybe some of the things that either we can do practically to do these or just some insights that you guys may have. Mm -hmm. I'm going to point this to you, Casey, because... You've been studying this, apparently. <laughs> you are the expert. <laughs> I would like to reference, I believe we have it in a playlist on Facebook. We did a, a series of coffee times mm. on the spiritual disciplines. And maybe one of the, I guess you could say, keystone works out there is by an author named Donald Whitney. And he's he's kind of one of the guys that has written a lot on spiritual formation, spiritual disciplines. And he's written a book called the oh, uh, title has slipped my mind. The Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life mm-hmm. is the name yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and so that, I think, is a 13-chapter book and goes through a lot of the disciplines. It's not a, an exhaustive study on the disciplines, but it's a really good place to maybe dive into that topic in general. But yeah, one of the one of the verses that he bases his book on is First Timothy four seven. And in that verse, Paul wrote, rather train yourself for godliness. The New American Standard Version translates that. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And uh, and so each chapter in Whitney's book uh, starts off with for the purpose of godliness. And then he, you know, has each each chapter entitled with a different discipline. And so giving for the purpose of godliness, praying for the purpose of godliness, etc. And uh, and just this idea of what exactly does it mean to to discipline? I'm reading from the ESV that says train yourself. I think some versions might even say exercise for the purpose of godliness. And so there's this idea, this this visual image of our in our minds of, you know, actually working out, going on a run or walking or going to the gym and, and doing it for the purpose of, of godliness. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think about whenever whenever you go to a gym, have you ever have you ever been in there and, and noticed somebody that's lifting weights and like you catch them kind of looking at themselves in the mirror, you know, like after they just did the, the bench press, you know, they're they're flexing their triceps in the mirror. And, you know, <laughs> the the purpose that Paul is getting at is is not so that, you know, others can can see you or mm-hmm. so that's some benefit to you but the purpose is for godliness and so and so it's a really it's a really great book to look at kind of spiritual disciplines combined but i think it's i think it's very unique and and interesting that jesus points out these specific three because there are a lot of other disciplines uh, spiritual disciplines that are are qualified and I'll be honest with you as as I've been studying I, I didn't really think of it I think it was Randy Harris that mentioned in his book Living Jesus that he kind of mentions the um, the unspoken discipline or maybe the uh, I can't remember how he phrased it but he says the spiritual discipline of secrecy. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, we think about the disciplines and the, you know, reading God's word, meditation, but just secrecy being a discipline in and of itself. And I think you kind of mentioned that struggle earlier in the show, that that struggle of, you know, even even if it's just your wife, you know, wanting wanting somebody to know. And I think that that might be a human uh human nature kind of built into us. I mean, we we want somebody to know that this person was helped in some special way and that I was the one that that did it kind of thing. And so I think it's somewhat built into us, which is why Randy may have said that this is a spiritual discipline in and of itself mm-hmm. because it's not meant to be easy. I mean, whenever you do something, man, you, you know, you're, you're proud of yourself, you know, you don't <laughs> want some, you know, want people to know about it. And so uh, it takes discipline to, uh, to do these things in secret. It takes discipline to, to give in secret. I mean, you know, think about when it comes to giving, you mentioned how easy it is for us to give. And I think it was Jim Shelton in the dive deeper class on Sunday. He mentioned, you know, giving and, you know, you know, how some people, if they give online, you know, they almost want to tap their phone. Like I, I gave on, I gave online, you know, this sense of, you know, I want, I want people to know that I, I did this. And so it's, it's certainly built into, built into our, our nature, I think, but it takes discipline to, you know, 
not care that you know the the plate the plate is is passing by, and to just know within your own self that I did give, and to to be constant in prayer, but not necessarily to be showy in that so that others can can see you. And also with giving, you know, as as Jesus is mentioning that specific discipline, you know, he he says. You know the hypocrites do it so that they may be praised by others. That that is their that is their motive. The motive for prayer is so that others can see you. And when it comes to fasting, people would literally do that by disfiguring their faces so that others could see them. And so that's the motive. And so the spiritual discipline of secrecy, I think, was very challenging to me. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciated Randy Harris's comment on that. That is one that goes across all three of these when Jesus is talking mm-hmm. about them. Yeah. Do you have a comment, Nathan? I was at a church once, and I'm certain that whoever orig- originated this had good intentions. But next to the visitor's cards were laminated, looked like bookmarks, and it said, I gave online. Yeah. <laughs> so you could put it in the collection plate as it passes by. Right. <laughs> I can think of a number of good reasons, but I can also think <laughs> how that could play into mm-hmm. I want you to know right. <laughs> how about give or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It was towards the end of class. Uh, Jim Shelton kind of put me on the spot. You know, we had like 30 seconds left in class and he said in, in 30 seconds, why should we fast? And it's like, so you're asking me to summarize my dissertation in 30 seconds. Thanks. <laughs> and, hey, uh, your, your committee is going to ask you to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, what I explained, I tried to explain in, in classes that, you know, fasting and and also the other disciplines as, as well, but in particular fasting, since he asked about that, you know, it's it's detaching ourselves from the need of the physical mm-hmm. and refocusing that to the need on the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what fasting is ultimately getting at. And I would like to say something that I I didn't think of on the spot whenever I was trying to answer Jim's question, and that is, why do you fast? And I and it's 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 obvious as you look in the Sermon on the Mount. It's expected. Hmm. It's expected in each of these disciplines. Jesus says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. So there's this this language of anticipation that Jesus has when it comes to these three spiritual disciplines. And I think you can make the argument that when it comes to any spiritual discipline that is mentioned in Scripture, there's an expectation that Jesus' disciples are doing things that will make them look more like God, that will help them grow closer to God. And so why why do we do these things? It's not so that others can see us, but it's because Jesus expects us to be doing them. Hmm. That was good. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Well, we'll start to wrap up here. We've been talking for a while. I'd like to start with a challenge for this next week. But first, I'm going to look at our challenge from last week and see how we've done on that. <laughs> our challenge from last week, there were three things. Pray for God's eyes to see that person talking Mm. about, oh, the people that maybe have offended you or hurt you. Have you guys done that? You don't want to tell me. It's It's hard for me. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's hard to go a day without thinking of somebody that has offended me. And I, I, I do try and be in constant prayer for them, for us to, to allow, to see them through God's eyes and to have grace. Have you tried extra hard this past week? I have, okay, and particularly because of the podcast last okay. week. I was like, "Wow, this is really, this is really pushing me to be a better person." Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, it has been more on my mind this past week. Well, good than it has been. <laughs> and God's been sending reminders. You know, I a person I know I follow on Facebook made a little comment about make sure you pray every day for people you disagree with, think differently, who are maybe even actively against you, and not just you know pray that God will rain down fire on their head but it says because you have something to learn from them too that was a really good line and meaningful yeah Yeah. all right so also from last week plan something very practical to show love to that person accomplished it this week no no i did not accomplish i didn't either and i can make all sorts of excuses but i'm not going to give them i'm just going to say no yeah i I failed i failed me me too nathan (laughs) 
<laughs> that makes three of us. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we can work on that this week too. Yes. And go over the top and see the radical love of God change things. I love this one mm-hmm. because when this happens, it's it just boosts your mm-hmm. excitement for following God. Yeah. So has there been anything that you've gone over the top beyond what you usually do? Gone over the top. Hmm. I can't think of anything specific that I just went over the top for. And I would like to think that that's just me not wanting to pat myself on the back. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, that's see, right I, I, I bet those of us in the office could, could name a number of things where you've gone over, mm-hmm. over and above. We notice, but we give God the glory for that's it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Nathan, do you have anything on that one? No, no, no. I've enjoyed being with you on the podcast. Yes. Well, now we have a new challenge for this week. Oh. All right. So the challenge for this week, learn a new discipline of secrecy. Please the one, not the many. Look to do good deeds for people without them knowing it. Ask yourself when you do something good, am I doing this because it pleases God or others or myself? Mm-hmm. All right. Good challenge. Yeah. Next week's sermon is titled, When You Haven't Got a Prayer. Nathan, do you have any teasers for that sermon? Even when we don't have the words, even when there are no words, there is a word of hope for us. I think the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray on a daily basis provides not just every essential thing that needs to be said, but keeps us constantly in memory of the things that need to be said. So when you can't get the words out, you know in your heart that God is on his way. Mm. He's here to give us, forgive us, and deliver us. All right. Excellent teaser. When you haven't got a prayer this next Sunday at Westside Church of Christ. Hey, this next Sunday is also Friends and Family Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we've been challenged to invite friends or family to join us on Sunday. If you're listening to this later, you're more than welcome to still invite friends and family. We accept them anytime. Yeah, right. <laughs> but this next Sunday, October right. 22nd, we're having a special potluck after the service. And how can you say no to a potluck? Oh, yes. Mm. <laughs> so Indeed. we'll we'll enjoy that this next Sunday. If you have any questions or comments or anything you would like to tell us, you can always email us at podcast at wschurch.net. And again, I'd like to mention some of our references. There's three books that we have, one by Randy Harris, which Casey, you mentioned, Living Jesus, Doing What Jesus Says in the Sermon on the Mount by Ed Gallagher, The Sermon on the Mount, Explorations in Christian Practice, and by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, entitled The Cost of Discipleship. I have been down the Dietrich Bonhoeffer Mm. rabbit hole this past Mm. week. Well, two weeks ago, I guess. He was He did a lot of things. (laughs) Oh, he's challenging, (laughs) isn't he? And I encourage you all to look at that, look, read his book, and just kind of figure out what he did in history. It's very interesting. Kind of a big takeaway from your deep dive this week. Yes, we'll say yes. (laughs) I, I mean, when you read his words and then see the things that he went through in life, it makes those words go a lot deeper, okay. I think. I believe there's a movie slash documentary called Bonhoeffer, Agent of Grace. Okay. And I don't know if it's on Netflix or anything, but okay. pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> so there's also a movie called Valkyrie. Yes. And I don't know if he's actually mentioned in that movie, but he was very much involved with that plot okay. that the movie's about. Okay. I don't, it's probably rated R, so I don't know if you want to watch it or not, but okay. it's out there. Okay. And then also the Living the Sermon on the Mount Diving Deeper class notes. We have a Diving Deeper class every Sunday after services where we dive deeper into the sermons. And Nathan has put a book together. You can find that on his website, again, nathanguy.com, and that'll be in the show notes. You can download that and kind of follow along each week with the sermon. And with that, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you, guys. Thank I, you. I enjoy having you both here. We'll yeah. have to do this more often. Thank you, Mark. Oh, God bless you all. Uh, all right. Well, you have a good day, and we love you.